Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm one of your hosts, Margaret Kiljoy. I have uh, Brooke and Cassandra with me as well as co-hosts today, because today you'll be very excited to know that we're the world's still ending, um, that we are doing our second monthly this month in the apocalypse, and we're going to be talking about basically the last month in the, I guess that's in the name. Okay, so uh brooke cassandra do you all want to introduce yourselves possibly with brooke, brooke going your first. name was first yeah <laughs> okay alphabetically it's my <laughs> turn hi everybody it's uh brooke jackson again um coming to you live oh wait no this will be recorded by the time you hear it but uh <laughs> from the sunny lands of the lima valley in oregon <laughs> we're we're all in the willamette valley right now it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, this is Cassandra. That's me. Okay. And so this will be a very short episode because actually nothing bad has happened in the world. Uh, certainly not anything that feels end times-ish, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, I'm under the impression we have reversed most of the major... I mean, I think Biden passed a bill, so I'm pretty sure climate change is over. Um, and COVID's over. Uh, I learned that just the other day, walking into a place where I thought everyone would be wearing masks, but uh, it's over. So that's cool. Or alternatively, let's talk about how China is in the worst heat wave in human history, uh, in recorded history. Uh, we're going to cut it up into segments, and I'm going to go first with my segment. Do we need to... Say, Do a jingle. Da dun da dun. Channel zero. As part of the and- intro. <laughs> you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You want to do it? She just did. Oh, yeah, I did. Da 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 da. Da da. What's up, y'all? I'm Pearson, host of Coffee with Comrades. Coffee with Comrades is rooted in militant joy. Our hope is to cultivate a warm and inviting atmosphere, like walking into your favorite coffee shop to sit down with some of your close friends and share a heart-to-heart conversation. New episodes premiere every Tuesday, so be sure to smash that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We are proud to be a part of the Channel Zero Network. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, so China. 70-day heat wave as of several days ago now. Um, and by the time you all are hearing this, I believe uh, we're recording this about five days before this episode comes out. So who knows what will have happened. There has been a lot of heat waves and floods all over the world uh, this summer. And... So China's in the middle of a 70-day heat wave. The drought has reduced hydroelectric output, which huge areas were reliant on the electricity um, because the water levels are so far down. And of course, the electricity is what powers the AC. So no air conditioning is really fun as things get really hot. Um, AC has been turned off in a lot of office buildings. It's cut power to tons of industry, including a bunch of car car manufacturers, where I'm a little bit like, eh, whatever, um, 
cars are bad. I mean, I drive cars, so I'm kind of an asshole and a hypocrite too. Anyway, um, but also solar panel output and EV battery plants and like lots of stuff that's like being pitched as the alternative to things. Y'all can feel free to cut me off too as I talk about these things. I'm just like going through my notes. Um, and I don't know, it's it's breaking records all over the place uh, by like four degrees in a lot of places. It's four degrees Fahrenheit. So over a billion. Right, what is yep? What is what is uh, heat wave in this context? Like, are they having like you know 115 degree temperatures? Or are they just? I mean, so I, I mean, it, I believe in localized places it's getting like crazy hot. But what's interesting about this is that it's um it's more the length of it and the abnormality to its usual that is a like it's. A lot of this stuff is like 106 degrees Fahrenheit and things like that. Um, you know, things that are very not nice, but are, um, well, human survivable. Although we should probably at some point talk about uh, wet bulb temperatures and how dry places are survivable at substantially higher temperatures than humid places. Um, hmm. But yeah, so it's 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 an it's an abnormality causing problems as far as i understand rather than like just specifically if you step outside you'll be um scorched by the heat ray that is the sun um it's affecting over a billion people which is a lot of people uh the area of the heat wave is 530,000 square miles which for context is texas colorado and california combined does that overlap with the area like, isn't there like a massive wildfire happening in China right now? I think you know more about the wildfires than I do. I don't know what region it was in. Okay. I guess I'm I'm curious. Of course, they're related because everything climate E is related ultimately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious how closely they're tied together. But if you don't know and I don't know, that's fine. I, we can just I say there's know, also a massive wildfire and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. There's a massive wildfire. Is that a continuous area, Margaret? That five, whatever, something miles? You all are exceeding the level of research that I did because I did research about the entire world. So I don't know. (laughs) Okay, fair. Oh, yeah. You have more. This is just like heat waves everywhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check. Okay. And also joining (laughs) us today on playing the squeaky toy in the background is (laughs) Rintraw, the best dog in the world. Um who Can is currently uh, best dog in the world. No complaints. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, there's a lot more, but I don't know about this. Right. Um, but this is one that I haven't even seen really cropping up much in, in the media at all. And actually one of the things that's sort of interesting and terrible and telling is that a lot of the information that I've been able to find about climate change disasters comes from uh, the business media, like, a lot of this is about how it will affect stock prices, how it will affect, mm. you know, um, 300 mines are shut down right now in China or as of, you know, two days ago when I did most of the research for this recording. And so it talks more about the 300 mines that have been shut down instead of the 119,000 people who've been evacuated from their homes. Um, and it's just, it's a real problem. There's a lot of photos of like low reservoirs that are like 20 meters below what they're supposed to be and things like that. And of course, to tie everything into everything else, you know, things that happen in one place don't only affect that region. Um, The drought is fucking up their harvest and fertilizer for export is being affected, uh, which will probably fuck up the world's food supply, which was otherwise very stable. So I don't think that's (laughs) going to be a problem. 
Um, the world's been chaos, but at least we know food is cheap and available. And will stay that way. Okay, so yep. then the one that I'm finally starting to see more get talked about in the media, thankfully, um, although it's annoying because it's only being talked about because now there's like dramatic photos, but whatever. I mean, I'm not blaming people for not paying attention to everything that's happening in the world. Pakistan is having um, flooding, like just absolutely massive flooding. Uh, I've read reports saying that there's a half a million people living in refugee camps. Um, it's taken at least a thousand lives. It's fucking up food production. Over a million homes have been destroyed. A third of the country is underwater. You'll, have y'all seen the satellite image photos? Where- yeah. And they're referring to it as a lake, which makes yeah. me wonder, like, are they anticipating at least some portion of it to remain? <laughs> like, and look I at our new lake. So. Yeah. I heard I heard someone else I heard uh, someone refer to it as a small ocean. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And and Pakistan is the the fifth most populous country in the world uh, after China, India, US, Indonesia, I think. Um yeah. And so it's like I don't know it's a big fucking deal and a big fucking problem. Um, and one of the other problems, because capitalism solves makes everything worse, um, Pakistan has taken out a $1.1 billion loan from the IMF, which for anyone following at home, the IMF is a predatory lending organization called the International Monetary Fund that actually a lot of modern leftist politics, uh, in, at least in the Western world and actually a lot of the developing world, um, kind of cut its teeth in the during the the turn of the millennium fighting against the IMF and the world bank specifically because of this stuff that they do, which is that they loan predatory. It's like a payday loan. You know, it's like a paycheck loan place, but for entire countries, they loan you $1.1 billion and then you're going to be paying off the interest for the rest of your life as a country. And of course, a lot of what's happening right now is that developing nations as they take out these loans are therefore forced to, extract more fossil fuels from their own countries in order to pay off the interest of their loan, not even touching the principal, trapping us further and further in the cycle of what's destroying everything. So that's all really fun. Okay. Then East Africa, particularly Kenya, Somalia, and Ethiopia are also facing prolonged drought, rising food prices. Um, a lot of this is because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, this is projected to leave 20 million people hungry with an estimated 3 million potential deaths if, uh, if aid isn't delivered. And these three countries represent 2% of the world's population, but 70% of the extreme food insecurity. And most of about 90% of the wheat imported by East Africa comes from Russia and Ukraine, which are, of course, having some issues right now. Uh, they're not famously <laughs> friends. Um, but you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm a wheat farmer in the U.S. and high prices are good for me. They are not. Things are not good with domestic wheat production here in the United States either, um, which, of course, affects large quantities of the world. Also, the U.S. is a, a major grain exporter. And so this is things that affect the U.S. do affect everywhere else and not just because we're the center of um, empire. <laughs> Drought is affecting wheat fields in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. Kansas is estimating a 30% drop in their harvest. Oklahoma is estimating a 50% drop in its 
harvest. And so even though you have these like record high prices for wheat, farmers are expecting to lose money because they're not able to grow enough. You look like you have and, a question. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit the other day, I think. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not sure people realize what it means when the wheat crop is devastated. <laughs> you know, it's not just like maybe I can't eat bread. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did but what you is it look instead? at it? more to it than that? Right. I mean, the, I, the next thing I think of is like, who eats the wheat? Not just humans. You know, like I can't eat wheat, but like I eat beef <laughs> and <yeah>. chicken. <laughs> yeah. What, what does that matter, um, Cassandra? Like, <laughs> maybe they eat wheat. Just the like domino <laughs> effect. Of, yeah. Yeah. When we talk about rising food prices and rising fuel prices and how those are connected to like rising everything prices. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, Book I have a solution. Famously. Oh, what's okay. your, is it communism? Because we're all about solutions here. Well, you started <laughs> talking about Pakistan being all flooded, like the country's a giant lake. And then you said drought mm. in the U S and I'm like, let's just pick up some water over there and just put it over ah. here. So and then there won't be a drought or a flood. So it's so great. And I'm going to get to in a moment is that, Drought and flood are entirely related. I think you knew this and we're just setting me up to say this, but they're absolutely related. <laughs> um, the more drought you have, the worse flooding you have, which of course like boggles my immediate science brain. My non-science brain is like, but water is the opposite of drought, you know? And we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, okay, so also in the U.S., Lake Mead is drying up. It's the largest reservoir in the United States. It provides water to 25 million people. It's possible that soon it won't have enough water to feed the Hoover Dam, which provides electricity to about a million people. And the one upside of all of this drought, this is really selfish, it's kind of like interesting, the stuff they keep finding in the water. Um, <laughs> they keep finding. Yes. Yeah. They're like finding like some guys like, oh, look, a barrel. And he like pops open some barrel from the 1920s. And there's like a dead guy with a bullet in his skull. And they're like, oh, the mafia really did just drop people off in barrels, which led me to the conclusion that um, apparently leaving dead bodies in large body in large bodies of water is more effective of a strategy than I have been led to believe. <laughs> well, they've I, haven't they also hasn't it also revealed like Nazi like sunken Nazi ships and shit. Oh, yeah. And then they're yeah. like the... Yeah. Not in Lake Mead, what, though. Right. <laughs> but then in... Uh, no, but I'm just saying like everywhere, it's revealing interesting yeah. things. Like in Europe, the... What are the stones called? The Hunger, Hunger stones. stones. Hunger Stones. Yeah. So apparently... What's the context for this? Previously in history, when there were massive droughts and like rivers dwindled down to nothing, uh, people made carvings in the stones at particular water levels with these like really epic, maybe Margaret's looking up some examples, oh, these I'm really not. epic, oh, miserable statements about like, you know, fear ye, fear ye, <laughs> if the yeah. water gets this low. <laughs> um, but yeah, dead. you can see those. People are like seeing those now, which is terrifying and interesting. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying and interesting is a good way to describe the current epoch. Yeah. There was, um, it's not happening right at this moment, but here locally, uh, when the Detroit Reservoir got real low a couple of years ago, there was a town that had been flooded when they built the dam there. And it was low enough that like remnants of this town were visible, including like an old wagon 
like covered wagon mm-hmm. base kind of wagon. And other yeah. cool artifacts. Cool. Hey, that's the the silver lining, the mud caked lining. <laughs> um. All right. Peace in so, history before we all die. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So. In California, heat and drought are also combining uh, as power uses reaches a five-year high, power use, because people are running more and more mm. air conditions. I, I didn't quite realize exactly how I – don't, I don't have a percentage in front of me, but like air conditioning is a really, really big use of electricity. Yeah. And so in California, the grid is estimated – is expected to become unstable, although that might have already happened. It was supposed to happen like this week, so that might happen by the time you all hear this. Or maybe it didn't happen, and I'm – here I am, chicken littling all day long. And, of course, the Jackson, Mississippi flooding, uh, the capital of Mississippi, which is primarily Black City, has left 150,000 people without drinking water. So I haven't heard about this at all. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's some mutual aid groups on the ground. Uh, Cooperation Jackson is a um, longstanding uh organization that works to sort of build dual power and do all kinds of awesome stuff in terms of cooperative economics and things like that. And they are doing a lot of mutual aid work. Uh, I believe there's also a group, maybe this is actually not, maybe they're not directly related. I'm not sure. There's a group called Hillbillies Helping Hillbillies that I've at least seen talk a lot about this issue. I don't know if they do most of their work down there, or if they've been more focused on the Tennessee floods. I know mutual aid disaster relief is also. Cool doing work there yeah yeah so why does all this stuff happen margaret you might ask uh why does all this stuff happen margaret well i (laughs) am an expert named jennifer francis a senior scientist at the woodwell climate research center in falmouth massachusetts and my quote that is definitely me is As the air and oceans warm under a thicker blanket of greenhouse gases, more water vapor evaporates into the air, providing more moisture to fuel thunderstorms, hurricanes, nor'easters, and monsoons. Uh, basically, as the temperature rise in, of the Earth, the warmer atmosphere can hold more water vapor. Uh, every degree of every increase of one degree Celsius boosts the capacity for holding water vapor by about seven percent. So that's fun. And also, as things get more humid. You're like, okay, well, that's cool. It's like more tropical and stuff, right? Higher humidity is substantially more dangerous. Like heat and humidity is what kills people because of the way that our bodies thermoregulate. Basically, like if you're at 100% humidity and the temperature goes above your body temperature, you die. Not like instantly, right? But your body loses its ability to thermoregulate. Hmm. And so that is the wet bulb temperature, is the temperature at 100% humidity, and that can be calculated out from there. So, for example, 105 degrees Fahrenheit at 5% humidity is not that bad. It's like 61 degrees wet bulb, right? You're not in danger. I mean, you can be in danger zone from other parts of it. You need to get in shape, right? But like, whereas 105 degrees at 95% humidity is 103 degrees wet bulb. So, and for context... You know, it's like I used to never really think about the level of humidity that I lived in until I moved to the South and I had to worry about mold and all kinds of other shit. But much of the South and San Francisco and also I believe much of Alaska sit at around 80 to 90% humidity, whereas the the Southwest might be at around 30% humidity. So when you hear about temperatures at different levels in different parts of the country, the humidity that they're facing like matters in terms of how catastrophic 
this type of thing is likely to be. And then the what to do about it section. Don't worry, we're almost done with the terrible climate shit um, part. I feel like earlier you mentioned something about the relationship between flooding and drought. And I was mm-hmm. hoping you were going to circle back to that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So um, so basically the uh, some atmosphere shit I only half understand. But as everything gets hotter, more of the air like sits and more of the water sits in the air and it um, it just fucks everything up. So like the rain falls off fucked up. I I kind of like wrap my head around it and then I and it unraveled. Do you ever like study things that are completely outside your thing and then you like you get your takeaway and then the details like dissolve? That's what happened to me mm. while I was researching this. No, that's I didn't realize it had I I thought my assumption was it was going to be that you know how you can look up videos of this where like yeah. people put a cup of water upside down on like dry soil, you know, partially damp soil and like saturated wet soil. Mm-hmm. And the cup of water immediately like seeps into the ground in the saturated soil, but it takes a really long time for the dry soil to absorb the water. Yeah. And so my assumption was like, oh, if there's a drought and the soil is bone dry, it can't absorb moisture very effectively. Yeah. Which is counterintuitive maybe, but... <laughs> I think that is a big part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then also, even just like, go ahead. I was thinking about how matter can't be created or destroyed. And so the water still exists somewhere, even though it got sucked up from the dry places. And that would be why it ends up flooding in other places, because the water still exists. Well, a lot of places, it's literally the same place will have droughts and floods. I think Texas is, was dealing with that. I think it was Dallas was having a, a record drought and might still be in a record drought and then had like really fuck off flooding. I think this was about a week or two ago um, that was like destroying everything. And, you know, because if the rain patterns are just completely different than, yeah, what the ground is used to absorbing and like, and which ties into what to do about it. A lot of what to do about it needs to happen at the scale that we're not necessarily going to talk about right now. But rainwater catchment in drought areas is super important. And, you know, I was looking it up because there's this like, I'd always been sort of told that rainwater catchment like fucks up the water system of that area, you know, because Colorado has, they have re-legalized it a little bit in 2016, but it's been illegal for a very long time to catch rainwater in Colorado because they're like, oh, it's so dry here. We need all the groundwater. That was what I had always got told. The real reasons that Colorado made rainwater catchment illegal have a lot more to do with (gasps) capitalism. Mm -hmm. And the way that water rights are, you're basically stealing from people in entirely different areas if you catch the rainwater at the source or whatever. And it, it can affect things, right? If you like take water that could otherwise have ended up groundwater, but it you're mostly, it's mostly like shit that would have run off anyway. And so rainwater catchment increasingly in a lot of places, I I believe Arizona has like new laws that like require new buildings to include rainwater catchment. Hmm. There's entire countries who I didn't write down the names of that require rainwater catchment in all new buildings, especially Island nations. I'm under the impression. And so rainwater catchment is cool. And then, Arizona, you can get rebates if you install rainwater catchment. In Colorado, it is now legal again for like home level. And there's like all these like rules and shit. And you're you're only allowed to store two barrels for a ton total of 110 gallons. And you can only do it at like home or whatever. 
I'm sure there's ways that people could imagine catching rainwater without getting caught. The CDC points out that rainwater is generally not safe to drink without treatment. You can use it to water non-food plants um, without treatment. I say this, I showered with rainwater for the past three years and don't give a shit. But maybe I shouldn't recommend that to other people. But also filtering rainwater is like not the biggest deal in the world. And then... Also like... The idea of only using it on non-food plants is really funny to me because, like, it just rains on my plants, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then I eat them. Yeah, mm-hmm. you shouldn't yeah. let um, rain on that's your plants. All. That's the, that's yeah, you shouldn't be eating right food from that. plants. Plants comes from stores, Cassandra. Oh, <laughs> okay. And if if they get rained on specifically, then they're like poison. Yeah, I mean, okay, like you walk out of a food store, the main place that people get food, like McDonald's, uh-huh. and you have your chicken nuggets. Or oh, if you're vegan, you have your, You wouldn't want to eat them now, would you? Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm like, that part about the, like, non-food plants or whatever is, like, to me is, like, that's what the CDC says. The CDC has lost a lot of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't trust it as much as I might have used to. That's an interesting segue to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now for the okay, to <laughs> Well, there there is one more part though that I believe one of you added to the notes about soil remediation and dry gardening. I'm wondering if you want to talk about some of that. That has to be Cassandra because it wasn't me. Oh, I mean that was me thinking about like how the what I was saying before, how bone dry soil. Mm-hmm. The best place to store water is in the soil, right? Yeah. Uh, just like the best place to store nitrogens in the soil. But, you know, if I lived in a super dry area, and this is only so effective for like the home gardener, this Mm -hmm. like ideally would happen on a large scale. But if I lived in a really dry area, I'd be working really hard to like improve my soil health so that it can store more water (laughs) so that things Mm -hmm. like dry gardening are possible so I can, you know, have food even in a drought. What is dry gardening? Um, That's it. Dry gardening is gardening with little to no, like, uh, manually added water. Is that where you, like, mulch the shit out of it all to prevent evaporation? Yeah, you can do it that way. You can also, there, there's a, well, it's on my bookshelf, so I'm not even going to mention it because I can't remember the title right now. But, yeah, mulching, um, spacing your plants a lot farther out, making sure that your soil can store water so that if, you know, we live where I live, it rains a lot in the spring. And if the plants I plant have room and the soil's fluffy enough that they can send their roots really deep, then in the summer when it's dry, they can still access the water that's stored in the soil. Does that make sense? Cool. And then they grow chicken nuggets. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so back to the clever segue that I broke about not trusting the CDC. Yeah, yeah. I Okay, so uh, we realized we should probably say at least something about monkeypox because it's a thing that exists. My notes are titled Monkeypox Sucks. And... (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Correct. Uh, Yeah, and I realized in researching this that I knew very little. I think I was just like, we live in a time where there will be epidemic after epidemic and i'm you know mentally overloaded 
on this topic Mm -hmm. um, and had a lot of assumptions that were wrong. But one interesting thing I found out is that the CDC is saying it's not transmitted. It's not airborne, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they've kind of gone back and forth about whether masks are going to help masks. I can't enunciate whether masks are going to help prevent the spread I mean, if the um, mask keeps other... you from licking someone's open wounds, then then I say that would be helpful. Put your mask on. But then there's there are other recommendations around like avoiding close face to face contact with people. So that's all. I that, I think I'm just affirming that I am also skeptical of CDC guidelines at this point, which is a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to hear all about monkeypox? Yay. Yay. What a fun show we make. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a good okay, game. So, Monkey box. It's like a game, yeah. right? It's a children's game that you play. It's fun. It's oh, spreading God. all over. Isn't it great? No. No. <laughs> it's one of those games um, with a 1% to 3% death. Okay. And, yep. Please continue. <laughs> That's pretty low. It's fine. Um, God, what a world that we live in. <laughs> So apparently it was discovered in 1958 in laboratory monkeys. So, you know, you can insert something here about blaming capitalism for everything. Mm -hmm. Because maybe it wouldn't have been a thing if monkeys were not in laboratories. Anyway, it's a cousin of smallpox. And the first human case was recorded in 1970. When I first heard about monkeypox in May or whatever, I was like, oh, cool, a new disease. It's not new. (laughs) It's been around for decades. So it's really interesting that like we don't have a vaccine that can quickly be rolled out. Do you want to guess why that is? Is it capitalism? Racism. Racism. Brooks wins with racism. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yeah, so so it was thought to be uncommon in humans, but cases started increasing around 1980. And most of the cases have been documented in Central and Western Africa. Is that correct? In Africa. Yeah, you said Nigeria is like one of the main main spots of it? For this outbreak. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and they think that one of the reasons... So there have been multiple outbreaks since it was first recorded in humans in 1970, which I didn't realize because we don't hear about them because mostly they've taken place in Africa, Mm -hmm. which is just depressing. And I'll come back around to that in a minute. But they think that that, um, the increase in cases might be connected to the fact that it is related to smallpox. The smallpox vaccine, they think, gives like 85%. There is like 85% effective against monkeypox. But most people don't get the smallpox vaccine anymore. Yeah. And they think that's related to the increase in monkeypox cases. And um, people don't get the I smallpox think, vaccine anymore because smallpox kind of went away because of vaccines. Yeah. Okay. No, it just stopped being trendy. People were like, mm, that vaccine is not cool anymore. I'm not going to take that <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. Which then is like, there's a whole tangent in here about who and how they decide a disease has been eradicated. I'm doing air mm. quotes that you can't see has been eradicated. Um, especially when something like monkeypox is trans was initially transmitted from, uh, animals to humans. 
And so, yeah, I don't know. Is smallpox eradicated? I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm curious. So let's see. Okay, so the current outbreak grew from one case in Massachusetts in the U.S. I'm talking about the U.S. now. Uh, Mm -hmm. May 17th. And at this point, you know, however many days it's been since May, there are almost 20,000 cases in the U.S., which is a lot of cases. I mean, it sounds like a big number, but also I know there's a lot of people in the U.S., but also I don't know how much cases of other things that we know about are common. So I don't have any frame of reference. for. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, it's way smaller than COVID. Right. It is way smaller than COVID. Um, But, you know, and it's a, it's sort of like COVID, you're probably not going to die from it, but then there's the asterisk, unless you're immunocompromised already, you know, so like, who are we, who are we willing to throw under the bus for this? So just because, um, does me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but then there's also uh, public health, health experts are apparently warning that the virus is on the verge of becoming permanently entrenched here. Cool. So maybe 20,000 isn't you know, a big chunk of the population, but in terms of like a virus, it's bad mm. news because we don't really want it to become entrenched here, right? Yeah, virus is bad. Virus equals bad. Okay. Okay. So, so there's been a lot of criticism about Biden's administration and their sluggish response to the outbreak. I read a really interesting. <laughs> report i think wapo was the the first place to report on this but they said that um on august 4th u.s health and human services officials plan to stretch the country's limited supply or they announced that they plan to stretch the country's limited supply of vaccines by splitting doses to cover five times as many people this Mm -hmm. is after saying that they had plenty of doses so already sketchy Uh, okay Yeah, cool, cool. And then the chief executive of Bavarian Nordic, who's the vaccine manufacturer, uh, responded by accusing <clears throat> the Biden admin of breaching contract by planning to use them in this like inappropriate way by splitting the doses, and then apparently threatened to cancel all future vaccine orders. So that oh, is neat. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I'm not sure how that was resolved. Capitalism! <laughs> Woo! The, the other ism now at play. I was right. I was late. (laughs) (laughs) So a big concern for me in researching this was how it spreads because I have a child who's about to go back to public school. So apparently animal to human transmission, it's spread by direct contact with blood, bodily fluids, or cutaneous or mucosal lesions of infected animals. Um, And then human to human transmission is close contact with respiratory secretions, which to me says airborne, right? Right. Is that not what that means? Anyway, respiratory secretions, skin lesions of an infected person or recently contaminated objects. So things like bedding, clothing, stuff like that. Um, But the CDC says it's not airborne. So take that as you will. Hmm. I don't know. How are you going to take that, Brooke? Right. Well, I mean, respiratory secretions, that does sound more significant than just like, you know, air droplets, like we talked about with COVID, like more moist kind of uh, things coming out of you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it sneezes and coughs and stuff that people actually use their imagination with more that. liquid <laughs> matter. 
I don't. Yeah, we know. could just go through and describe every act that could. Um... Don't don't spit in people's mouths. <laughs> Damn it! There goes half of my kink play. I mean, it does seem like it's less contagious than like, cause like, okay, right. Like, cause they said originally COVID wasn't airborne and they were always wrong about that. Right. But the fact that it's been here for months and is at 20,000 cases, um, is like promising in that it seems less contagious than COVID, but that's, I guess I'm talking about like the first or second most contagious virus that the world has ever faced. So I guess it's a terrible benchmark to compare it to. Yeah, I think comparing everything to COVID is probably not in our best interest, especially because a lot more people are comparing this to AIDS in terms okay. of the communities it's impacting and how it's spreading. Um, so it's, it's okay, let me go back to my list. All right, so the incubation period is usually 6 to 13 days. Um, it's thought to be mainly spread through sexual activity, specifically men who have sex with men and have multiple partners, though now they've sort of expanded that to include like queer and trans people, which is good. Um, <laughs> not that it's spreading in queer and trans communities, but that they're changing the language. <laughs> so then I was like, well, is it an STI, right? And I Googled, is monkeypox an STI? And the first two articles that came up were, number one, <laughs> monkeypox is an STI and knowing that can help. And then number two is monkeypox is spreading through sex, but it's not an STI. So, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it's not an STI. <laughs> okay. Because but, it's not, it's, yeah, go ahead. But it seems to mainly be spreading through sex, probably because of the close contact involved. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, like not through is... the sex itself. Right. But through the close physical contact of, you know, that happens. But then I also saw, I think, I also saw a list, I think it's LA County. I was reading their like uh, list of eligibility criteria and um, maybe risky behavior to avoid. Invoid? What would that even mean? Avoid? Yeah. Thank you. I know. (laughs) I was just trying to figure out what my made up word means. Risky behavior to avoid. And they listed that. Like, we're still learning about how it's transmitted, right? Which is wild for a disease that's been around since the 70s. But they listed that uh, it could possibly be transmitted through semen. Like, not solely, but that could be another way that it's transmitted. Sure. Transmitted through bodily fluids. But the distinction when when it's an STI is something that's sort of limited to um, being transmissible through kind of the, the genital region. Is that why one type of herpes is considered an STI and the other isn't? Yes. You, know what I mean? you can, like you can cold... get both of right. them in both places because of uh, right. oral sex. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, technically. Well, thank, yep. Thank, that's why. Thanks for knowing more about STI classification than me. I appreciate it. Well, I fuck a lot. So I got to know these kinds of things. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on with my notes. Um, <laughs> my next, for the record, my I just made sec- everyone turn a scarlet, blushing red color because I am the non-prude among this collective. I'm not blushing. I'm not prudish. I'm just demi. Um, okay. So my next section is titled racism, which, yeah. So the virus has been spreading in this this specific outbreak of monkeypox has been spreading in Nigeria since 2017. Yet 
somehow there are no clinical, there's no clinical trial data of the effectiveness of the vaccine or TPOX, which is the antiviral they've developed. No human studies. Hmm. I wonder why. Um, well, I, I said it's understudied because up until now it's been isolated to Central and West Africa. Yeah. Um, what would have happened if we were vaccinating on a large scale in Nigeria? Yeah, I mean, that's like such a, a thing that I keep thinking about all this shit where it's like, it's it just seems so obvious to me that like the solutions to all the major things that we're dealing with right now, like don't make any sense in a world full of borders. You know, mm. being like, yeah. Like we got ours, fuck you, doesn't make any fucking, it never made any fucking sense, but it no. really doesn't make any fucking sense now where it's like, yeah, if we had, um, like, I, I don't understand, even if I'm like a self-interested, rich, white American, I don't understand how I'm mean, like, oh, new, new disease just dropped and it's in another country. Let's go get rid of it in that other country. That makes sense. From It's cheaper than building spaceships to Mars. Yeah. Right. I think it's people still just not fundamentally understanding how deeply integrated we are now as a global society. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't have figured, especially in the last couple of years, if you hadn't figured it out before then, like you should understand that now, I feel like. Yeah. But acid's been around for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand the reference, but I'm just going to roll with that. Just like, I don't know, like we're all one consciousness. (laughs) Um, okay okay (laughs) my next subsection of notes is titled homophobia um this is i'm I'm announcing these by way of a content warning so yeah so i read a few different i you know i've seen like on twitter and stuff people talking about how homophobia relates to the way uh the language the government has been used and media outlets have been using around monkeypox and also the government response to it and didn't fully understand that other than that it's mainly spreading in queer networks right now. But, but I read an article that talked about how uh, uh, the homophobia they were seeing was mainly around the language that gay sex is quote unquote driving the epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just like really sex negative advice around how to keep from getting monkeypox. Um, but in reality, the drivers of the epidemic are the structures globally that have led to like vaccines and tests and treatments all existing for this virus, but not being accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if y'all have read any of the first person accounts of people trying to find access even to a test. Like I read an account of someone who went to their doctor and was like, I think I have monkeypox. And the doctor like had to jump through all of these hoops just to access a test. <laughs> Fucking hell. So that's cool. Let's see. Before I talk about the what we can do, I want to circle back to climate change really quickly. Because I think that in my brain, I know that epidemics and climate change are related, but I hadn't thought much about how and the particular mechanisms. But I, I, I read an interview that that interested me a lot. And they talked about how climate change is driving the risk of infectious diseases. I saw a report that 58% of the 375 infectious diseases they examined have, uh, this is a quote, have been at some point aggravated by climatic hazards. So that's cool. But how? I don't understand. 
the connection. Yeah. So, so one way is that climate change, they were talking about how it brings uh, humans closer to animals, not in the sense that like we are closer to nature, but just like as we encroach okay. on. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And so animal to human transmission is a thing, but also if we're talking about like climate change and natural disasters, people get very sick of diseases and die after natural disasters. So I'm sure that's part of what they mean by aggravated, being aggravated by climatic hazards. Um, warmer temperatures also attract insects and carriers of disease to parts of the world that they didn't used to exist in. Margaret, I feel like you were talking, we were talking the other night and you mentioned like, no, is it you? Maybe I was reading something. I've been reading too much lately. <laughs> no I was reading about a, a type of mosquito that is like more likely to carry things like dengue fever and um, is now in the U.S., is now in the Northern Hemisphere. And oh, that's exciting. Be, yeah, and it has to do with warmer water temperatures where they can hatch their eggs and mm -hmm. also with capitalism because apparently they were transported here in tires huh oh like when tires wow. sit you know outside oh, and then the water lot, can, whatever yeah the water pools yeah wild, wild which pit. ties back to rain catchment and how don't <laughs> do lazy rain catchment where you just put your downspout into the barrel you should filter it and you should prevent mosquitoes from breeding in there also algae and all kinds of other stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's true so today's um, episode is brought to you by capitalism mosquitoes. and racism. Oh. And I mosquitoes. was thinking rain barrels, but uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason we have to talk about these horrible things is the isms. <laughs> ah, right. Whereas I was thinking mm. of sponsors. Big rain barrel. It's a big sponsor. <laughs> big <show>. rain <laughs> That'd be a great sponsor. <laughs> Hope we get a free barrel. Yeah. Free barrel with every app. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to talk about them personally. So please contact us through the site. The advertisers. I want the, I want big rain barrel to, I just want a rain barrel. That's all. Please continue. So in 2022, <laughs> we're still experiencing the COVID outbreak, right? And now mon monkeypox and also polio. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Yes, polio. Someone <laughs> someone got polio uh, for the second time since they declared polio like a. a they don't use the word eradicated, but they were basically like humans are don't get this anymore. But two have since then, and one was this summer. So, that's neat. Okay, that's neat. Yeah, uh, what can we do about it? We can wash our hands a lot. <laughs> I'm still going to wear a mask, even though the CDC says it's not airborne, because I don't understand the difference. And also COVID's still a thing. Um, we can research testing and vaccination in our areas, because it seems to be vastly different in different cities and counties and really confusing. So you can do the research ahead of time and share it through your network so people know where to access information and help. Um, you can also get vaccinated if you qualify. However, I, I let's see, I looked at a few different counties and their eligibility criteria, and they all seem to have a few things in common. You have to be a gay or bisexual men or a trans, transgender person who has had either one 
multiple or anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days, or two, skin-to-skin or intimate contact with people at large venues or events in the last 14 days. And then they're also starting to include people of any gender or sexual orientation who have engaged in commercial or transsexual, so sex workers, in the last 14 days. So yeah, if any of those are you and you have a vaccination place near you, why not get it? Because Bill Gates oh, will and, be able to track all the sex you have. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The reason I agreed to research monkeypox for this episode is because, like I said, my kid's about to go back to school, and I was really nervous. And I'm feeling a little bit less nervous for the moment about school because the cases documented in children so far are extremely low. Um, so that's some good news for all of the other parents out there. Yeah, and the children listening. Of, for any of the children listening. It just occurred to me that children might listen to this podcast. I'm so sorry, children, about the world. Yeah. Not about the cussing. I'm sorry about the world. Right. <laughs> Agreed. Speaking of school. Hey, yo. Student loan forgiveness. <laughs> That's been in the news. Whoa. Right. And as the person with the background in economics, I feel like I have to talk about that. So, uh, student loans. I'm fairly certain that of the two of you, one of you has student loans and one of you does not. And I'm and That's I'm curious true. how each of you feel about student loan forgiveness. Without you can go ahead and not reveal which one of you it is and isn't for the moment and just tell me is it do you like it? Is it good? And fucking tastic. I mean, not this version. This version is yeah. just like so-so, but like, should they forgive all of our student loans? Fuck yes, they should. <laughs> okay, so Cassandra says yes. Oh, and Margaret agrees? Wait, but only yep. one of you has student loans. So what? I don't have student loans, and <laughs> uh, I can't imagine, I can't imagine anyone who doesn't have student loans giving a shit. Like, I just like, I struggle so hard. Like, Every time someone's like, they did this with our taxpayer money. And I'm like, motherfucker, they invaded half the world with our tax money. Like, there, there are other things you should be frustrated about in yeah. terms of your tax dollars. This like, is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. And then even, even with my like, even if I was like a self-interest capitalist shit, it's like, I don't know, a healthy economy is not one built on fucking debt. And I don't know, whatever. I'm just like, don't spoil my ending, Margaret. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Right. But capitalism means that there have to be people who are suffering and poor so that I can feel superior and be stable and have more money. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. No, I take it back. Actually, Uh, Brooke, I'd like to change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) No one should. Cassandra. Uh, no one should have the right to have debt forgiven. Um, it should probably be transmitted to children and children's. Oh, wait, that already happens. Just Okay, anyway. What, what about corporations? Shouldn't they be able to get their debt forgiven, Margaret? Oh, yeah. I mean, corporations obviously should have their debt forgiven. Okay. I mean, otherwise <laughs> we wouldn't checking. have an economy. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> God. Okay, you two know everything. Like- I'm, my work is done here. <laughs> throw the topic and walk away excellent i'm sorry brooke <laughs> no i'm loving it it's, it's this, is how we, this is how we cope with talking about money 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. No, I have, you know, I have a couple of of uh, friends and or relations that are both on the um, against it side. Oh, um, wow. Neither of whom went to college or have Why any student debt. your friends? Well, Facebook friends, let's say okay. that. And I think it's important to <laughs> listen to what people say on the other side. So I try and understand the arguments and can have a conversation back and hopefully bring them into the light. Yeah, I.e. But wait, what if we instead create an increasingly more insular and pure subculture? It seems problematic, I'm going to say. But what? that's probably for another episode. Okay. Okay. I'll stop derailing you. It would only be the three of us. Everyone yeah. else is wrong in some way. So. I, I think that that's probably true. I'm sorry, uh, Burst, who's doing our editing. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Inman, who produces the podcast. Um you better apologize uh, to all the patrons right now, too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to be pure and join our pure culture, uh, the, the $20 Stop a month it. level is no. where... No cults. No cults. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that to me. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's why I took away that book on cults that I showed you the other day. You don't need the help. <laughs> all right. Please continue. <laughs> Oh God. Right. So, so the arguments against it, like you were saying, you know, one of them's about the, um, I don't want my tax dollars going to that, which like you said, is a pretty wild argument because we don't get to decide directly where our tax dollars go. There's plenty of things that, I mean, none of us like taxes and amongst us, especially like abolish the government, abolish the taxes, but even people who are okay with taxes as a functioning society, we still, you know, you don't get to decide where each dollar goes. What's your question, Face? When I vote, it doesn't directly change things. Oh, God. Another topic for another whole podcast <laughs> episode about how about how it actually works out there in the world. Yeah, so that argument's kind of wild. And then the other one that I, that I um, have seen is the, you know, why should anyone else pay for their choices, especially if it's their other people's bad choices or whatever mm -hmm. which again is wild to me <laughs> you mean the bad choice to loan sixty thousand dollars to a 17 year old yeah seems like maybe that that should be not a not a thing well it's just it's, okay but it's a bad financial like like come on that's that's a that's part of loaning money is you <laughs> take onto account like there's risk involved. It is a risky loan to loan a 17 year old money. Anyway, whatever. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I saw one of my, you know, uh, probably Gen X or boomer aged relatives saying, Hey, I signed up for the loans at 18 and I read the document and I knew what I was getting myself into and it was a choice and it's everybody's choice. And it's <sighs> so many bad takes, so many bad takes. I wonder how much their loan was compared to mine. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess significantly less. <laughs> Yeah, so let me get into a little bit of data here because I love data. Um, let's talk also about what the loans are and aren't because if you're only looking at the headlines, there's a lot that's not captured in there. Um, the number we see tossed around is the uh, $10,000 of forgiveness, and that's up to $10,000 of forgiveness. So there's caveats on that because there's a income limitation as to when you can get it. 
um, and it decreases a little bit based on where your income is. Um, but also, if you were awarded a Pell Grant at any point in your college education, uh, you can actually get up to $20,000 in forgiveness. And Pell Grants are a federal grant, not a loan, but a grant, i.e. a gift, basically, that uh, only go out to the lowest income kind of folks. So if you qualified for a Pell Grant at the time that you also took out loans, then you can get a higher amount of loan forgiveness. And then it also only is, it takes effect for people who had taken out a loan prior to June 30th of this year, 2020. So if you're in school right now, if you're just starting this fall, it doesn't apply to you. Um, you had to have taken out a loan prior to that to qualify. Some of the cool things about it, though, are that it helps kind of all kinds of federal loans, which um, 95% of student loan debt is a federal loan. Only about 5% is private loans. So that's most people with loans, um, although it's only, again, those income requirements. But that's still a large portion of folks. Where's the other one I was looking at? Oh, um, there's a type of loans that parents can take out to help their kids. So most of the federal loans that folks sign up for, they are signing up themselves, right? You're putting yourself in debt for it, even though you're only 18 or whatever. But parents can also get a loan. There's a federal loan called Parent Plus that you can take out to help your kids. And those loans also qualify for forgiveness. And that is different than the student's loan. So if you're a parent who took out one of those loans for your kid and your kid also took out loans, you both separately hmm. qualify for forgiveness. Yeah. Is the, is, sorry, is the th I hadn't heard of those parent loans. Is the thought that they're taking out a loan to help pay for their kid's college? Yeah. Okay. They're so. just like, look, another loan we can give to someone. Yeah. And it's a federal, federal one again. And, you know, federal loans overall are, uh, at least compared with like private student loans you can get, they're way more reasonable, super low interest rates, longer repayment periods. You can get restructuring if you're having financial issues or get a pause on it. There's more ways to get them forgiven, like working for a nonprofit or in the private sector or stuff like that. So these are sort of nicer loans, which is one of the faults that people point out with it is that the the private loans that are the more of the predatory style loans, like we okay. talked about with the IMF earlier, you know, higher interest rates. Uh, they don't care about how much you are or aren't making necessarily. They just say you have to start paying it at this point and you have to pay this much and they'll come after your car or your dog or your firstborn child or whatever in order to get their repayments. And this federal forgiveness doesn't affect those folks. Would you say that our listeners should take out predatory loans from payday loan places in order to buy rain barrels? No. <laughs> because you should never support predatory loan places. You can but steal from those places. What allegedly. if we um what if we start a rain barrel loan fund that offers predatory rates? Then I would no longer call you an anarchist. You'd be an are you, are you segueing and you'd be in, out of the club. Is this you segueing into an ad break for our sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, is my brain poisoned by how the fact that my other podcast is, yeah, has actual ad <laughs> breaks. <laughs> hey, if Big Barrel barrels. would give away some loan, some rain barrels, I I would let them plug a little. 
ad I, uh, on this ad-free Anarchist Podcast Network. Yeah? Yeah. Although I'm holding out <laughs> for a big IBC tote. Um, yes. Because IBC totes are 275 gallons instead of 55 gallons. And that's yeah. what I showered with for the past three years. An IBC tote available from wherever you're willing to go get a really cheap thing that used to be full of detergent and wash it out vaguely. Half an hour's drive. We can go grab some. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Let's, we should talk about that after we're done doing a podcast, which we are in fact doing right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. One right. of the other things that comes up when folks talk about student loans is you get like the, the boomer types that'll um, say, you know, I, I worked a part-time job when I was in school and paid off my, paid for my school while I was going to school. And uh, I think we all know that that's just not possible to do anymore. And that's because of the cost of education and how it has skyrocketed. So if you look at the difference from uh, 70s, 80s or so um, of like median income in the US with the average household makes versus the average cost of college, the average mm -hmm. income has gone up like half again as much um, in since the you know 80s or so, whereas the cost of college is four times more expensive than it was. And then the other argument that comes up that people will make is, uh, well, everybody thinks they have to go to college now. You know, everybody's trying to enroll in college. Not everyone needs to go to college, but everyone tries to. And when you look at the numbers of like the portion of the population that has, that's going to college and how that's changed in the last like 50 years. Um, it's been pretty much steady for the last 25 years. It rose in the 60s, late 60s, was kind of flat in the 70s, then started to rise again through the 80s and the mid 90s, probably because of the series of recessions that we had that were really severe in some places, like mm -hmm. Oregon had a really severe recession. And when there was a recession, more people go back to school. But it hit a peak uh, in the mid 90s and then dropped for a while and then has kind of been staying around that peak on average over the last 25 years. That And that's the number of people has gone up, but the portion of the population, right? So as a percent mm -hmm. of the total population has actually been quite stable for a while now. And like, I'm I'm a big fan of having not gotten a degree right <laughs> but i even had a dream again last night where i like dropped out of school again and i was like fuck you i quit and it was really nice <laughs> but but it's something that i think that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about being like oh well not everyone needs a college degree or whatever is they they don't understand that like how important upper higher education is to upward mobility and upward class mobility um mm -hmm. especially for like people who are like marginalized along other identities besides class, like specifically around race, you know, like there's, so I, I think that, I think it's something that we can accidentally get a little too like, yeah, like, you know, people get very like, I'm so blue collar, everyone should drive forklifts instead of going and studying gender studies or whatever. Right. And just like not fucking getting how important class mobility can be for people. Um, and how that functions most of the time. And so I get really annoyed when people are like, no one should ever go to college or whatever. Cause I'm like, that is a really, that is a position that comes from a specific place for some people, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think people also forget in that the fact that um, college classes can include courses for some of those types of jobs. So 
talk about like the other four-year degree, an apprenticeship, you know, if you're mm-hmm. an electrician, a, a, a sheet metal worker, you're probably, you're going to take some classes and probably through a community college as part of your education yeah. to get those kind of jobs. If you're doing a forklift or CNC, you have to take a course and they can be three months, six months, 12 months courses. And often again, through community college. So even though you're not getting a degree, you're still doing some post-secondary education. Yeah. Do you want to know how much debt I have for my community college? Oh, this is going to hurt. And I'll put it in context. 40 grand. Shut the front door. And that's like with grants and shit. Because like I had good grades and all that. And for a frame of reference, listeners, Cassandra graduated more recently, like in the last couple of years or three or whatever it was, but fairly recently. Yeah, when I was looking at the numbers, here's my personal anecdote. The uh, cost of the four-year degree that I got 15 years ago, um, I'm taking some community college classes now, and if I did an associate's degree, it would cost me as much for two years of community college today as it did for a four-year degree with um, uh, two majors. 15 years ago. Yeah. The cost has, has exponentially risen again, four times. Uh, it's, it's, um, four times higher than it was like 40 years ago. It's risen more than anything, any other good or commodity. The cost of college has increased. I will say <laughs> my like optimistic putting on my optimism hat. I don't like hats. That's probably why I'm not great. Okay. Um, <laughs> When I think about like some of the most, the strongest that leftist movements, anarchist movements, uh, I know more about anarchist movements than I do other movements. The strongest they have been is like often while popular education or the existing educational infrastructure is failing everyone. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like a lot of work around reframing uh, education in both France and Spain was coming out of anarchists in the late 19th and early 20th century and the modern school movement and all this stuff. And people were getting like literally murdered for advocating for things like what if boys and girls are taught in the same classrooms and shit. And it was like wild idea <laughs> that anarchists came up with mm-hmm. and like not talking about God in the classroom. Oh my God, we're actually losing on all of these. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's like, remember the fight for the eight hour work day. And I'm like, man, I would, I wish I had an eight hour work day right now. Okay. And, um, <laughs> but but so that's like my like my like optimism is that like uh in a a burned forest new weeds grow um you know I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for alternative educational systems but not in a way where they could like immediately step in and be like an accredited university that allows the sort of class mobility that we're talking about or whatever right but like it does seem like mutual aid schooling and education are like probably in a, a better position to take a foothold um, than they, they used to be. I hadn't really, I'd only prim- previously thought about this more for like um, grade school type stuff, especially for the whole, like mm-hmm. how public school is like also kind of like low key, just like childcare. Um, mm-hmm. And like, hadn't quite thought about this in terms of like how it ties into, you know, continuing education, but it could, we could have anarchy university and then everyone could have degrees and and okay i don't know where i'm going with this and her go you <laughs> you need another project margaret so oh god <laughs> no dear listener you need a project 
at Projects R Us, we will give you a project. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Replace Wrong the, podcast. Nope. Replace Wrong the podcast. continuing education system. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, so it would actually that, be like your ideal job, I think. It really would be. Yes, um, I have yeah. way better at coming up with um, things that the I delegator. could dedicate my entire life to than uh, <laughs> dedicate my entire life to any of the individual things. <laughs> oh, maybe Kate, maybe you do need to start the cult just to find uh, leaders for all of these ideas. Um, so, student, no, someone else has to start it. You out there, you could be the one to start the. Okay, sorry. Please continue. I'm sorry. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, I'll try and stay off a tangent because I want to. Um, (laughs) Student loan forgiveness, generally good. Uh, Why? Because college is super expensive and college is not just going out and getting a four-year degree or even a two-year degree. Uh, It's, you know, taking some amount of classes. Education is good and it's expensive to do so and we need to make that easier for people. And the student loan forgiveness we have will alleviate some pain and suffering. It doesn't deal with some of the fundamental issues that we have of the fact that college is too expensive right now. So it's not, it's not perfect. Uh, it's maybe it's not even great, but it is net good and movement in the right direction of things. Uh, one more fun note on it in case this affects anybody listening and they don't know about this. Student loan payments have been on pause since March 2020, the start of the pandemic. They're going to end December 31st, 2022. So they'll the resume. Pause is end. The pause is going to end. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so repayments will resume January. Uh, now, some people may have chosen to still make payments during the pause. And those payments that you made, you'll be eligible, if you meet the other criteria for loan forgiveness, you'll be eligible for reimbursement. So let's say that you Mm -hmm. made a $100 payment every month for, it's about 30 months now. So that's about three grand. Um, So you can get uh, a reimbursement of, out of your 10, you you can get three grand reimbursement for payments that you made during the pause. And then you could have the other seven applied to, um, loans that are still outstanding. So that's a cool thing to know and something to watch out for if you're someone who's going to be applying for um, the loan forgiveness. Imagine if they had just forgiven student loans, like actually and fully. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a nice thing. It's hard enough it to get It was really to hard it. to be on, on social media for a few days. A bunch of people being like, this is great. Biden has done it. Like, really? No. (laughs) Yeah. No. I mean, am I happier that potentially, maybe if I'm lucky, I doubt this will happen. Like, I'm still skeptical of the whole thing. But because I had Pell Grants, maybe 20 grand will, like, be forgiven. I still owe 20 grand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I don't even have that many loans compared to most people because I went to community college. (laughs) That's wild. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Uh, That's a depressing the- note to end on. <laughs> That's what I was well, trying to like- say. Like anarchy, you. Um, my positive. Uh, oh. We have a whole degree in rainwater catchment. Mm-hmm. A degree in it, or just a? How about a certification? You could be a certified rainwater catcher. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to micromanage, so. Uh, whatever you decide since you're now opening this university Wait, sh- no 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 i wasn't volunteering to take it over <laughs> nose goes 
last listener to touch their nose has to start anarchist university (laughs) (laughs) but then but then you could sponsor us and we could promote you yeah yep for free right for free what i don't think that's how sponsoring works margaret that's how the channel zero sponsor thing works oh that's true okay mutual aid networks or they could support us on Patreon. Uh-huh. Are you doing an outro? Which, like, the university? I was trying to, but I don't actually know all the words that go before thanking our patrons. So you might you might oh, need to do that. Okay. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Here's okay. The since since Brooke is gonna be coming on as a, a host, um uh, you say thanks so much for listening. You say algorithms suck, but if you like, comment, review, blah, 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 it makes the algorithms give our show to more people. It's kind of the only way that people end up hearing about our show is word of mouth. All that stuff's true. I'm not just saying it cynically. It's just that I have said it like whatever we're on like episode like 50 or something. So I've said it like 50 times. And that you can support us on Patreon by supporting our publisher. Our publisher is Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. The three of us are collective members of a a collectively run publisher called Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. It's been around for about 20 years, but is like getting new mega forces Voltron combined version of itself lately. Um, And it is primarily supported by Patreon. And if you support us at a dollar a month, you have access to all of our content. Although also if you just go to tangledwilderness.org, you have access to basically all of our content. Um, but it's still cool to support us. If you support us at $5, you get a discount on everything that we are ever going to make, which is starting to exist. We have t-shirts now, including for this show. And then if you support us at $10, you get a zine mailed out to you every single month, different uh, fiction, nonfiction. There's probably other types of things in the world besides fiction and nonfiction. Um, Poetry. Yeah. And if you support us at $20 a month, I pass it over to Brooke. (laughs) You get a shout out here on our podcast and special thanks. In particular, we would like to thank Haas the Dog, Micaiah, Chris, Sam, Kirk, Natalie, Eleanor, Jennifer, Starro, Cat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Oxalis, Paige, SJ, and Sean. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yay. Okay. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>